This is episode 7 with Omar Zenholm, co-founder of the $100 MBA and Webinar Ninja on how to meticulously bootstrap a SaaS company without giving up any equity to investors. Have you ever wondered about what other SaaS companies are doing to grow their business? What channels are they experimenting with? Where are they finding traction? Welcome to How to SaaS, the go-to podcast for growing your cloud software company. I'm your host and growth strategist, Shiv Narayanan. I'm also the CMO of Wild Apricot, the number one membership software for small associations and nonprofits. Each week, we'll bring you interviews with founders, CEOs, and growth leaders who have successfully implemented a growth strategy to help you take your cloud software company to the next level. Are you ready? Let's begin. All right, welcome to the show, Omar. How's it going? Good, man. It's good to be here. Thanks for, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so just for the listeners, if they've never heard of you, Webinar Ninja or the $100 MBA, why don't you just give them a brief introduction? Sure. Uh, I run uh, two entities. One is called the $100 MBA, which is a training uh, community uh, for those who want to start a business. It's exactly what it sounds like, $100 MBA education. Uh, we have a daily podcast called the $100 MBA Show uh, that a lot of people um are uh, our listeners of uh, and our SaaS business, our software business is Webinar Ninja, which is our webinar platform uh, over at WebinarNinja.co. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, what exactly is the story behind Webinar Ninja? I think you started the hundred dollar MBA first, right? So, right. How, how did the idea for Webinar Ninja come about, and uh, how did you actually get started? Uh, about two and a half years ago. Um, Maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, we uh, we started doing webinars for our community at the hundred dollar MBA. Uh, we just wanted to kind of like have open Q and A, and it wasn't really for marketing or selling the program. It was really just more about uh, adding a little bit more value to the community. Um, and we started doing these webinars, and I was putting these webinars together. And it's I don't know if anybody has tried to put a webinar together, but it's it's really a headache. Like it was just too much work. Like it was crazy because you know you'd have to have a landing page software, and then you have to embed the video portion of it, whether you're using Hangouts or using GoTo or something like that. Um, and then you had an autoresponder sequence you have to have with your mailing list, and then you had to like embed a chat on the page. It's a third party chat, and then like there's all these moving parts that had to work together, and you know something was bound to go wrong, and. I felt like I really liked doing webinars because my background is in teaching. I used to be a teacher at the high school university level. And I thought, man, webinars are awesome for teaching and growing your audience. And and teaching is the new selling now. So I really loved doing it. But I mean, if I didn't have that drive, I probably wouldn't do it because it's just so much work. And I knew there would be other people feeling like, gosh, this is such a headache technically to put this together. And I think a lot of people have a message they want to share. They want to grow their business and grow their audience. And they just would like it to be easy, like just, you know, easy just like how anything else is now. Um, but for some reason, webinars were lagging behind. So I just decided to put something together for my own use, just so I can run a webinar easier, so I don't have to keep on doing all these hodgepodge things every single time I ran a webinar. So just just pure, like, trying to save time. And um, so I put something small together. I You know, I know a little bit of PHP. Um, I got uh, a uh, developer to help me clean up my code, and it was a WordPress plugin that I actually started with. And I just started doing webinars with it just to save time again. And then our attendees at the webinar were asking us, like, what are you, what are you using for this webinar? I've never seen this before. It's interesting. And I just said, hey, it's just something we slapped together. And then somebody asked, hey, can I buy it? And I was like, oh, I just never kind of considered selling it. I just thought, I'm just doing it for myself. And then 
I got a lot of requests from from attendees of buying this software. So we quickly kind of discussed the idea of maybe seeing if this is viable. Um, we cleaned it up for like commercial use, and we said, okay, we'll open it up for 150 beta users uh, and see how it goes. See if we get any sales, or are these just people, you know, saying they want to buy something when they really don't? And uh, we opened it up, and we sold it within 48 hours. Sold out in 48 hours, 150 users, and we're like, okay, that's some validation there. So. We started building it out. Uh, we got feedback. We opened it up again for another 100 users, sold out in 24 hours. Then we realized, okay, we might have something on our hands here. And then we realized in order for us to be where we want to be, we're going to have to get off the WordPress platform and be a SaaS product, you know, be a cloud-based uh, software. And, um, and that's when we really kind of built out the Webinar Ninja that is more familiar to users today. Um, but it, it's been a long road. It's been over two years in development, different iterations. We're actually launching Webinar Ninja 4.0 later this month, which is very exciting. But uh, that's the story of it. I, basically, I was scratching my own itch, and at the same time, I realized, you know, people are itching uh, as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. And so uh, it was in development for two years, and uh, how long has the software itself been around for? So it wasn't in development for two years. What we do is we we would have like we had a minimal viable kind of small version of it, and we would release it. We would open up to users and close it up again. So we've had development cycles. This is kind of what we did just to keep costs down as well as um, you know generate sales and interest and get feedback from users. Um, now we get a lot of different kind of feedback from not just users but people who have never seen Webinar Ninja. You know we do focus groups. We we do walkthroughs. Uh, our whole goal is to make it so easy that someone who's never heard of the concept of a webinar can create a webinar. Um, so it's been in like on and off development uh, with new versions for the past two years now. So uh, yeah, actually April is going to be was two years. So uh, 4.0 is coming just out of, out of two years right now. Mm-hmm. And actually, the interesting thing for me for bringing you on this podcast is a lot of the other companies that we're featuring are, you know, go the VC route where they're actually just funding it from the ground up and then they go on a hiring spree and really they're, they're scaling really fast, right? Where Whereas you guys are taking more of the meticulous approach. You're talking about a two-year cycle where you're developing and then you're opening the card for launches, similar to the Jeff Walker uh, product launch uh, formula stuff. So uh, talk a little bit more about that strategy. Like, why did you decide to go that route versus, let's say, the VC route. I don't want to give up equity. That's <laughs> that's basically <laughs> it. I mean, I'm a big proponent of keeping as much equity as possible. I don't even think this even. I think a lot of people they get funding when they don't even know for sure that the product is worth selling. Like I wanted to make sure that I had enough crowd, enough interest. I wanted to make sure it's completely validated uh, before I even you know. And I think. Through the process of validation, I can I can be profitable. I can figure out how to be profitable and scale in that way. So for me, I just didn't want to give up equity. I wanted to remain in control. I also don't want to grow too fast because that's a huge problem for a lot of users. You know, uh, I mean, I'm not users, but a lot of uh, software creators is that they they scale too fast. Um, they their expenses go through the roof, and you know, it takes them forever to even make a profit. Uh, you know, they they state high revenue numbers, but you know, at the end of the day, their expenses often, you know, outweigh their, their revenue. So um, that, I was really, you know, concerned about that. I also wanted to make sure that uh, I was I was building the software for the users and I had to keep my user base small so I can still be have an intimate relationship with them and I can just, I can email them really just one-on-one, ask them, get on a Skype call, talk to them, um, you know, run a webinar with them and see how, 
how you know what were they are acting to you know when you're building a software you're so deep in the forest you don't really see you know you know what's in front of you you don't really see what's going on you you have no peripheral vision you just see the same thing over and over so you need fresh eyes so it's very important to me to grow slowly and be able to do that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so how many customers are on the platform now uh, we have a little over 2000 a little over 2000 and what's the average price point that each of these customers is paying uh average uh it's around 150 a month 150 okay that's so that's that's pretty that's that's a lot of traction within the last two years right even though you are doing this slow gradual approach uh, a lot of companies will kill for that kind of uh that those kind of, that kind of traction I, i've noticed a, a metric online when i was doing some research that uh your cost of acquisition is about three dollars and 20 cents per customer is that right yeah, well, a lot of people ask me how is that possible, um, and it's because we do a ton of content marketing. You know, I, 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 the thing I don't even like that term, cost of acquisition, because it's always equated to dollars and cents. There's a lot of other costs like time and effort and creativity and manpower. Like that costs. That's a cost. You know, um, it takes a lot of time to produce a daily podcast. It takes a lot of time to publish, you know, free courses and a lot of time to, you know, publish guides and and free books and do webinars and all that stuff. That's a lot of time. I mean, people don't factor that in for some reason. Um, and for us, just because it's that low, it's because, um, you know, when we run any kind of paid ads, whether it's Facebook ads or whatever, they're always to some sort of freebie, some sort of um, entry level kind of resource, whether it's um, a free course or a guide is something that people would normally pay for, you know, and, uh, and from there we cultivate them, um, as a customer. I really believe in, in content marketing. It's the way to build trust and rapport and be able to become the authority in the eyes of your customers. Um, because you can't control if somebody buys or not, but you can control if they are ready to buy who to buy from. So they're going to be like, okay, I don't want to shop around anymore. If I want a webinar software, I want them to come to me. So the only way to do that really is to build that relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And so has that been the channel that's brought in the most customers for you is just building your list uh, through these awesome pieces of content that you're creating? Yes. I, I mean, it's not only about the list. It's also about the content itself. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, in order for you to, to you know, so we have a course on the $100 MBA, it's a free, I'm sorry, on the Webinar Ninja that is a free course for people to get started if they want to learn how to plan, how to teach, how to put their presentation together, how to know the tech of webinars, all that stuff, right? And it's a course that normally people pay like $500 for at you know other, other experts to do. And I've put it together and I, I give it away for free, right? Like that takes a lot of time to build a course like that, right? And a lot of resources and things like that. Most people are not willing to do that. They want to throw a PDF with 10, like 10 checklists of whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that's a bunch of bull, right? Like no one's really going to be compelled by that. When they go through a course like that, they're going to be like, okay, I know exactly how to run a webinar. This person has given me so much. Uh, why am I going to buy from someone else? He told me, he showed me exactly how to run a webinar with his software, you know? So for me, it, that's the investment I made. And even if you have a list of 500 people, right? You're gonna. It's all about the conversion of those 500 people. If you can, if you can convert at a high rate, you don't really need to worry about your sizes of your list because as soon as they're on your list, they have a better chance of becoming a customer. Mm-hmm. And so, and that also increases the quality uh, of the referrals that you're getting from people that are taking those courses and their experience when they start to use your software too. So, do you see a lot of your existing customers bringing in your future customers as well? I, I don't have any data to prove that. I, I hope so. <laughs> um, um, but the thing is that um, 
I'm, I'm a big proponent about making sure you're marketing to the right people. Like a lot of people, when they have a new piece of software, a platform that they want to sell, even a course, right? They, they try to sell it to too wide of a range of an audience. And I'm not even talking about target market or your avatar. I'm talking about like you have to sell to buyers. You know, you have to look for people that are actually looking to buy rather than somebody who's just, you know, uh, in your market. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I wanted to find people that want to do webinars, are committed to doing webinars. Uh, better yet, they have done webinars, but they're not happy with the tool that they're using, right? Uh, those, for me, are ideal customers. Those are the people that I try to, you know, market to rather than market to everybody who's in internet marketing or anybody who has a website. Like, not a lot of people are, like, they hear the word webinar, like, oh, I don't want to be in front of the camera. I don't want to do that. Like, that's just too hard to convert. Forget that. This person's not sold. You know, I, I'll, I will focus on somebody who's already closer to the yes line uh, than somebody who, you know, has never even gave webinars a thought. Right, right. So focusing on people that are much later in the buying journey and actually actively looking, right? So uh, with that said, like, have you experimented with other avenues to scale this business, uh, like looking at pay-per-click or uh, social media or any of those channels? Or has content just been the main one? I would say content is the main one. Um, I also just pay attention to uh, our users. You know, we're lucky enough to have some users that do some major webinars. For us, the nature of our software is that it kind of has built-in marketing. So when people do webinars with our software, people see the software in action. So I need to make sure that my users are successful. So if my users are rock stars at webinars and they are, continue to do webinars with large audiences, I win. Right, so I just try to f focus on the success of my users. Um, whether they're one of our users, like Pat Flynn, who has a huge audience and he's able to pull off a rock star kind of webinar, or somebody who's just getting started who has maybe you know fifty people on their webinar, you know, worked really hard to get those fifty people, you know. But if they're if they get a win, if they make a sale or two, if they are a success with that, they will continue to do webinars. I mean, that's the whole thing about SaaS. You got to get somebody to continue to use your product or you don't have reoccurring revenue. So for me, that was just the main goal is to make sure that people are, 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 are taken care of. They already are customers. I want to keep my customers on as much as possible. One of the things that we do to help that is we, the first email they get when they become a member is an email from uh, their dedicated agent. They have a dedicated, we call it a Webinar Ninja a success agent. And we want to make sure that, that you know, they get an email that says like, hey, my name is CJ. I'm your success agent. I'm here to help you set up your first webinar. And then that person will email them back and forth and help them. And they even get on live chat. We have live chat as well um, to help them set up their worst, first webinar. It's in our best interest that they win. You know, so that's kind of one of the things that people really enjoy is that they're not just left alone and, hey, just use it and hopefully you'll do well. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's really powerful, and uh, I can speak from our experiences. We're we're actually launching our customer success team now because we've been purely inbound and automation driven, and we want to introduce that human touch just to give that slight nudge or give give them the support they need to get that first uh, success within the software, just so that they can get going. Um, I I have a question. You mentioned Pat Flynn, so I'm on the webinar with Ninja homepage, and you have some other really big names like John Lee Dumas as well. So uh, how how are you finding such power users and influencers to use webinar? ninja or are they finding you themselves um i wish i had a strategy but to be honest with you those people are my friends so <laughs> <laughs> so i mean maybe that's a strategy why focus on the people you've built a relationship with already you no know, like i've had the privilege privilege of calling these people my friends and i've gotten to know them over the years 
uh, through the hundred RBA, through speaking engagements, through events that we you know both attended. You know, so uh, they they were kind enough to to trust me and and to use my platform and to use Webinar Ninja and to to be a member and and to actually you know um, uh, you know have that kind of trust in me and that's a big deal because they're 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 in front of their audience and they have to kind of look their best. So for me, it was just building. You know, I had those relationships. Some you know some people that I've gotten closer with since they've used the the platform. Um, you know and uh, Obviously, like part of this equation is making sure they win. So, um, for example, you know, recently Pat Flynn was running a webinar, and you know, I called him up. I said, "Hey, Pat, I know you have a webinar coming up next week. You know, is there anything I can help you with? Let's sit down together. I'll, I'll, let's do a mock webinar, and we can run through all the apps and show you how to use the chat and show how to share your screen and how to answer questions and how to make an offer and display your offer. And we ran through it. He really got the hang of it, loved it, enjoyed it, felt super comfortable." Right, like I wanted to make sure that he's comfortable with it, you know. So when he ran his webinar live, I wasn't there. I was at home, and he was doing his thing. You know, I attended the webinar, and it was a blast. He had a great time, and he really appreciated the time I took to make sure that he was, you know, taken care of. You know, now it's very hard to do that with every single customer, you, the founder, but you can get your customer service reps to help do that. Um, you know, obviously, you know, with somebody like Pat who will be able to. Uh, run a lot of webinars, has a lot of exposure, has a lot of influence. You know, you want to make sure that these people um, are sold. They're sold on your product. So uh, that's kind of what I've done over the course of the last few years. Yeah, in a way, in a way, you say that it's not really a strategy, but it's almost like um, it is a strategy in itself, right? Just to build out this network. I think the interesting thing is um, it's a very similar model to, let's say, someone like Derek Halpern. He used to have uh, he has this website called Social Triggers, and now he has a software uh, that he's built off that platform called Zippy Courses. And then you also look at Russell Brunson with Dot Com Secrets and mm-hmm. launching of ClickFunnels. So it's almost like when you start with that content engine and you build that trust with your audience and you network with all the A players within the industry that gives you a really good foundation to then you know move towards a software and then yep. bridge the gap with education right yeah I mean and like uh, we've built some pretty solid relationships and I, I'm happy to call them friends but at the same time you know you have to give without expecting to receive you know and and a part of that is you know like for example John Lee Doom is he he had an event called podcast cruise and he asked me could he come speak and I said yeah sure no problem I would definitely love to come and speak you know, I definitely supported his 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 um his podcast uh, event, and I said, "Hey, I want to see you win with this event. This is amazing." And I threw in a few reads on the podcast. You know, some sponsor reads that you know, as a freebie, they're valued at a thousand dollars an episode. You know, so um, he really appreciated it because it pushed sales, and I did a webinar and things like that. I he didn't ask me to do that. I know I just did it out of my own. Volition, because it's like, hey, if you want to be somebody's friend, if you want to build strong relationships, you got to put something into it. You know, you can't just be like, yeah, we're friends and we go and we have drinks and like that's that's a bunch of bull. Like that doesn't do anything for anybody. You know, what you really got to do is sacrifice. You got to give them something, right? And I always say to people like, if you want to really build strong relationships, it's you got to put something into it. And um, and that's just one example. Now I'm sure you know I would like to hope that John would support Webinar Ninja. Even if I didn't do those things, but I'm sure it helped. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm reminded of something, you know, Gary Vee says all the time is that he says that the, mo- the biggest mistake people make is they think it's give, 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 then take, whereas it might be, it's more like give, 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 then ask. But even if you don't get it, that's okay, because that's part of the game, right? You're just giving is where the where, where the biggest return is. Um, and another instance is we just had a recent guest, Tim Page, on the show, and I actually connected with him after listening to him on your podcast, simply because he was hosting one of the episodes, and I thought he would make a great guest, and I'm also... So seeing if uh, I looked into whether he could help me with the intro for this podcast and stuff. So I think I think just that giving culture builds a lot of good karma for the business, right? Yeah, and that's a great example. Tim is a super super generous guy. Um, he I got a lot of love, I got a lot of love for Tim Page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome for sure. Um, okay, so with with all that said, um, and any any final thoughts that you want to share with the audience? Um, I think sometimes uh, my final thought or my advice I would give if anybody's thinking about starting a SaaS or is currently in a SaaS is just to really sit back and take a moment, even if you take a day where you just take a day off and you think about this one question, which is, what are you really trying to achieve? Are you trying to achieve um, a way for you to you know, live a comfortable lifestyle and do something that you enjoy and you want to build and cultivate? Some of us, we just want to create something cool, right? And you don't really need a lot of money for that. You don't need a lot of funding for that. You don't need to, you know, blow up. You don't need to be, you know, the next, you know, Instagram in order for you to have those needs. You know, um, I, I was recently talking to to Noah Kagan, who's the uh, founder of Sumo Me and AppSumo, and uh, he. It's funny because you know he used to work at Facebook and he was employee thirty, and unfortunately he left Facebook before he could cash out and and make you know to cash out his his equity, and he would have made which is equivalent to like over one hundred and seventy million dollars in in revenue, you know, in in money in in the in equity, and you know he he thought about it and he said, well, like what would I do with that money if I had it today? And it'd be like buy a nice car. Uh, maybe a house, right? And and that's pretty third. Can you think of a third thing? You know, it's like so. Like you really don't need that much money to live comfortably, and you could do that on you know bootstrapping your business. You know, you can start slow, grow. You know, you got to answer that question because sometimes we we because it's a lot harder. I personally think it's a lot harder to 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 knock it out of the park and be a Snapchat or be a Facebook or be a whatever and be a billion dollar company than somebody who grows. A small business that makes you know uh, seven figures, small seven figures is the goal, and and you're good to go. Like what else do you want? You know, like I I really think that that's not underachieving. That's that's understanding that where do I have my best chance of getting really what I want out of life? Great advice, man. And I think uh, a lot of SaaS founders can benefit from that because I think there's almost like a level of uh, peer pressure associated with startups now, right? Where you got to become the next Facebook. Whereas really, if you can even get to $500,000 in recurring revenue, that's a sweet business, right? So yeah, uh, it's crazy. I mean, if I always say that, like, if you're making, if you, if, if your, your personal income, what you actually take home every year is like $180,000. Like that's a surgeon. A surgeon makes that money. Like that's crazy. You're rich. What, like okay, obviously we we want to aspire to to bigger things and it's okay to to want more money. It's okay cuz you could do a lot of great things with money. But what I'm saying is that like really what you want is success. You want something that people will use. You want to create something that's significant in the world, right? And I, I really believe you could do that without having to give up all this equity and having to raise capital and having to be that next Facebook. You know, th- th- I think that's that's the, you know, the anomaly. That's not really the the rule. 
Right, right. No, I, I love it. Um, and last but not least, man, just from me, uh, a best practice that I took from a podcaster that I really admire is Lewis House, which is, I want to show you some appreciation for taking the time to do this and sharing your insights. I'm a huge fan of the $100 MBA, and I'll be sure to share that link with the audience. If they haven't listened to it, they probably should. And uh, just being being an advocate for this idea of building the business the right way, slow and steady, and eventually having something real that can actually contribute to the world. So thank you for doing this. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the time. That's it for today's episode, guys. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes and to check us out at www.hattasass.com. And we will see you next time.